This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. What's up, people? Welcome to a brand new MMA Roasted Podcast. We got uh, the originals are back. The OGs. Uh, the OGs. <laughs> uh, Mayhem Miller will be joining us. We also got Julia Marquez and the people from McDojo Life joining us. It's going to be a great show. I want to thank Speedweed. Listen, marijuana is legal in California. Don't leave your house right now. Don't go to it. Just don't touch anything. All right. Get it delivered right to you, especially during these times. Okay. Make sure uh, you wipe it down when it gets to your house. Wipe it down when you get to your house. Yes. Yes. So, Speedweed, follow them at Speedweed. Check out speedweed.com. Greg Wilson, uh, how are you? How, how is it? I'm good. You look more showered now that you haven't left the house. I, <laughs> I actually, well, because I knew we were doing this. I, I, okay, you know, we were saying before we started the podcast, we were saying how, like, I magically somehow managed to wake up and still get nothing done. Yeah. It's amazing. With nowhere to be and nothing to do, I still get nothing accomplished. But knowing that I had this to do today, I actually got up and, you know, did a light workout before this and got a shower in. So to be honest, this is the most accomplished I've felt at noon this entire time. Wow. That's, well, you know, you, you look good. You look healthy. You look happy. Now, you were on a roll. People are always like, what happened to Greg Wilson? You guys have a falling out? The answer is absolutely not. You canceled three weeks in a row because, yeah. because you kept getting <laughs> auditions. Uh, yeah. And, and then um, now you were probably the hottest your career has been right before this happened. And yeah, it was going really good. And then... <laughs> But talk to us about some of that. What have you been doing? Well, you know, I mean, th that's the thing. I mean, I had so many things going. I had just uh, gone through a process where I was up for one pilot, but I was still under contract with another pilot. And then that pilot did not go forward with that network. And so then another network wanted to pick me up. And we were in the final stages of coordinating that contract for another uh, major pilot um, when, when this whole thing disappeared. Like it was, we were on the precipice of launching that. And then that fell apart. And also, you know, I just shot a recurring role on a new series that was about to be launched uh, for ABC that now is on, in, they don't know, they can't launch it. You can't do a marketing campaign. You can't do PR. You can't do billboards. You can't, all the stuff that goes into launching a series can't be accomplished now. So I totally disagree, Greg Wilson. Kind of came to a stop at the same time. But you also did Narcos, right? Yeah, and, and I got cut out. That was the other thing. Narcos finally comes out, and it was uh, it was really just one episode. It was the final episode of Narcos Mexico, and and it finally got released. And I was like, all right, let's check it out, and they cut me out. So you change your name to Greg Romero Wilson, your real name, to become more Mexican. You book yes. Narcos Mexico, and they cut you out. Well, yeah, that's, that's pretty it. much what happened. Bad show business. It sure is, baby. But you know what? I got paid. I got to go to Mexico for a week. I got to shoot with, you know, it was really, it was still an amazing experience. But yeah, I got out of it kind of burned. Uh, but then you also had that Craig Robinson show. 
Yeah, the, it was called Ghosted. And, you know, that was the other thing. That was another great show that I wish we'd gotten a second season. But the president of the network got changed. And the new president came in and axed all the shows that he didn't, you know, that he didn't bring in and created Aww. all those sitcoms that they had that all fell apart. All those sitcoms wound up getting canceled. So, I mean, that was another well, listen, job. Good, the just, good news is that you're... We get the, used to this. Hey, listen, at least you got paychecks, you're working, and, and, and you're finally getting some success because, honestly, you are one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. You're definitely top five. Thank you, brother. You know I feel the same top way about five. you. You're, you're, no one zings like fucking Adam Hunter, man. You are always right back, man. You can always tell that you used to be 96 pounds because your comebacks are right there, bro. Thank you very much. And Mayhem, how are you, man? Why are you wearing sunglasses inside? Oh, my God, bro. I had the roughest night last night, bro. I got in a fight under the bridge. Wait, what? Wait, what happened? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just decided <laughs> to spar somebody under the bridge last night. You know what I mean? And I, like, you know, I, like, tweaked my back. I gave him the business. But, you know, this coronavirus, you know, you, you got to hide your workouts. You know what I'm saying? Is this is this really happened or, or is this funny mayhem? Like, what, do you really got into a fight? I'm, Bro, like, what is the difference between funny mayhem <laughs> and fucking did that really happen? Like, why I, I, don't, you, I don't even know. The jail why, are, why, are you under a, why are you under a bridge fighting? I just told you, man, because you got to hide your training from everybody thinks that you're going to infect them with the coronavirus. I went out in public yesterday and everybody was crossing the street uh, when they saw me coming down. It was like I was a fucking pit bull. But that happens. Yeah, but I don't think that has anything to do with the coronavirus. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's true. I was wearing like seeing Jason Miller coming down the street. Well, I was like, you know what I mean? I don't know. I think this uh, shaved head, and it was a bunch of Asians. Uh, you know what I mean? And I tried to talk to the black guy, and this black guy just fucking ducked out on me. He's fat. I was like, hey, cool, fat black guy, what's up? But you know, I thought I was gonna have like a JJ from Good Times kind of vibe with this dude. But instead, he just got scared and ran away. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, I got a shaved head. I'm wearing combat boots. You know, this dude thought he was about to hate crime. All right, so Asians are running from you during the coronavirus. That's that's. Right. Right. I'm like God zero. All right, so you went to the you went to work out. <laughs> you went to work out under a bridge. Yeah, and... so I'm kind of tired. Sorry I'm late to the show. No, it's but okay. Yeah. But it like, is... I have my student. Okay, I'm saying it all funny. But I thought it would be really cool and Kumite-like to do a training session underneath the bridge and like, you know, and like, it, it, it just- Score some heroin, do a workout, sure. Nah, bro, come on. Well, I mean, I maybe, but I, listen here, every, <laughs> even the heroin dealers are so scared of the coronavirus that they're like, uh, you know, chewing newspaper and fucking hiding in their dens. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Hey, so listen, I won't order cocaine. Because I'm like, no, I'm like that would be the worst way to get coronavirus. <laughs> Greg, 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 we all know that you are made of 45% cocaine. Come on, yeah, Bob. I know. You look I'm like El Chapo. I'm reserves during these times of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Stop digging into the fucking cake mix, bud. Okay, okay. Oh. We got we to we gotta slow this down. Man, I really want to hear the story. So last night you were okay. training someone underneath the bridge. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and what happened? <laughs> Nothing. I, I was just making an excuse for being late. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just sore as <laughs> shit right now, bro. I'm but, sore as shit, what, to be but honest. Listen, but what's crazy about you, Mayhem, is that your true stories are a hundred times crazier than the I lies. Made up story. 
Like, yeah, you can't you make up a story. I know. You can't write the shit. And the worst part is, is I forgot 45% of them. You know what I mean? So it's like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. And then someone has to reignite a damn, you know, neural storm in my head for me to remember the shit, you know? And then... So three days what? ago, uh, Greg, he told us a story how first he, he like met a guy at a bar. Uh, the guy wanted to do a podcast together. They were both drunk. Mayhem shows up at the guy's house the next morning. I starts using his equipment without even telling the guy at five in the morning. Guy comes down with a gun. Let's get the fuck out of my house. Ma'am says, I'm not afraid to die. Augustino is there for some reason, right? And then, um, <laughs> and then fucking Mayhem leaves, right? Cut to three months later, the guy calls Mayhem up and says, hey, man, let's do a podcast. Sorry about pulling the gun on you. Let, let bygones be bygones. Mayhem shows up. He can't get a podcast. The guy tries to stab him, right? So the guy oh, takes gosh. out a the guy, the guy takes it out a the guy starts stabbing Mayhem, right? Mayhem takes, the Mayhem does a Steven Seagal move, puts the guy in his head, then knocks out all his teeth. The guy calls the cops, and Mayhem does not snitch on the guy. So that, these are the kind of stories you've been missing. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, the guy didn't call the cops. Someone else called the cops. But when the cops asked me what happened, I was like, I don't know. There you go. I don't know. I know. Tough guy answer, great. Right? Yeah. That, that real, you know, you know, I was thinking about it. You know, how Tyron Woodley was uh, talking about, you know, he's from the streets. That's some shit that carried over from the streets that I like, you know, rat. Like, come on. Rats get yeah, yeah, yeah. out. But you grew up in, um, you grew up in North Carolina. Sort of, yeah. On a, on a, a military base. Yeah, government housing. Then moved to Georgia when you were how old? No, I, when I, like, I ran away from home age, you know, whenever you could drive, about that age, yeah. So you were living by yourself in Georgia? Yeah, well, you know, it was weird. It was an interesting time of my life because, uh, you know, I was like getting into fighting. You know, I was fighting grown men and I'm like a teenager, you know, and I was fighting, uh, and I kind of fell in at sort of a Fight Club-esque house. It was like a rundown old mansion. They're like, we would go swimming in the swimming pool. It was like some other fighters there. And we would like literally like put a boom box like by the pool that didn't have a fucking engine. You know what I mean? It didn't. So just like basically it was a pond, an urban pond. And we would just have the party out there. You know what I mean? I had like, you know, one of my first, uh, maybe my, my third threesome uh, out by the pool. Out You're there. what, 15 years old? 15, 16? Maybe a 17. Yeah, you know. And, you know, it was just. What were the uh, other dudes' names? Yeah, <laughs> Tim and Eric. Nice, perfect. I'm glad yeah, you remember. Yeah. You always remember yourself. So, you always yeah, remember living there. So, ma'am, you were actually living there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing is that, all right. So, I remember I mentioned a dude who's like 300 some odd pounds. He was like a big. Uh, he was actually a biker cop, and fucking Forrest Griffin knew who he was, Bullshaw. Yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, no, I, yeah, I, yeah. I <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so big, big daddy Bullshaw, uh, he lived there on the top floor, right? Me and Morrison, this other fighter, we lived on the west wing, right? And we stayed there when they turned the water off, when they turned the power off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would take a bucket. Uh, from the pool, you know what I mean? Take a bucket of water, and after you shit, you gotta, you know what I mean? Country boy will survive. And we stayed at that house training, and we were training the, in, the, in the yard. We stayed until the bulldozers showed up. 
literally till the bulldozers. So you didn't up. finish high school? Nah. I mean, I never learned to read. No, I'm serious. No, no. You didn't finish high school? <laughs> I finished high school. Come on, bud. So you were in Georgia in high school during this time? No, no, no. What do you mean? Like, this is, you said you were. I had already graduated, bud. Oh, so you graduated already... high school, ran away from the house, moved to yeah. Georgia, joined a fight club in this guy's yeah. house. How were you guys yeah. making any money or paying for shit? I mean, mostly narcotics. So you were dealing drugs. And then. Uh, I wa- well, was there I? Were drug, there I were drugs know. being dealt. There were drugs being well, dealt. I mean, I'm not, not going to say, I'm not going to say that the Korean mafia was involved. But, you know, they kind of funded our operation. And they didn't call themselves that. But, you know, they know who they are. And God bless them. God bless them. So you guys they, were they dealing really, uh, for the Koreans in, in Georgia? Hmm, I think it was a synergistic partnership. So of, when, you, you know, but when you say that you grew up on the streets, these are the streets you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess. Does that count as the streets? That's well, the before that. I mean, okay, if you if you trace if you trace back my lineage, okay, you look at me, you know, at, at age eight, right? Is me standing across from a big black kid about to fight him, right? Uh, on military base. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh my god, it's like my first knockouts came over there. I fucking huh? No, 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 Tyler. When you were a, when you when you were a uh, marine, how much heroin did you f- discover in Afghanistan? I didn't go to Afghanistan. Oh, I read a bunch. My friends all have pictures in poppy fields. Really? Yeah. It's wow. there. You, you and, tell and, me heroin will straight up like it just comes out of a flower? I mean, that's a process. Yeah. That's how it starts. Yeah. It starts out of a poppy. And then, Greg, you grew up. Okay, it starts as a plant. It all starts as a plant. And, Greg, you were part of the theater club in El Paso. Yeah, that's right. Speech and drama. Yep, that's right. The hard life. <laughs> The hard life and speech and drama tournaments. Man, what a nerd. We love it. Hey, man, I'm so oh, listen, glad I Listen, man, you like say you what right? you want. You may have been having threesomes in a swimming pool, but I was finger banging in the bathroom at a high school on the weekends, okay? So <laughs> Wait, you were finger we accomplished banging the same goals. We were after Wait. the same things. You went one way <laughs> yeah, and I went the other. I just had to do a performance first, and then it was finger bang time. No, you know what? Those theater girls are not easy to get hook up. <laughs> they like, are. They're all fucking uppity, but with they like what you do, baby. It's especially because you would interact with girls from other schools. Hey, you if know? you make them look good on that stage. So, Greg, you think, like, do you think that was always been your motivation? Where women and cocaine? No, for real. Because I know for comedy, comedy, like, I would never have had half the girls I've hooked up with if not for comedy. Yeah, people say, oh, absolutely. People absolutely. Ask, like Adam should I become a comic. I'm like, listen, the first ten years, you will make nothing but you will get paid in pussy, okay? Because yeah. you will get women that you've never, like, it, before the show, I would hit on a girl, then she'd be like, Pff. Then I go on stage and like, oh, you didn't tell me you were the comic because you're never gonna have this person's attention for an hour of making people laugh. That's a powerful thing. It's an aphrodisiac for women. I'm, I hate to say cocky and whatever, but these are kind of the facts. Greg. No, it's true, you know, and that's the weirdest thing when comics say, oh, comics don't get laid. I'm like, no, 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 no. Not funny comics don't get laid. Yeah. Funny comics get laid all the time. I mean, yeah. look at me. Look what I'm working with. And you know me. I always played above the rim. I walk in with the girls. This is a true story. I walked in with this hot, I used to take hot models in New York. And I walked into stand-up New York 
with this super hot model and the, the comic on stage stopped doing his act and looked out and was like, Greg must have the best cocaine in New York because every time I see him, he's with the hottest bitches in town. Who was the comic? And granted, I did have very good cocaine, but it was mostly the comedy. Who was the comic on stage that said that? I don't remember. Right. Now, now, Mayhem, when did you start getting, did you always get girls all through high school or in college or, oh, you didn't go to college? You know, I sort of got some, uh, hey, I went to college, you, you know, did? for the party. Yeah. So. <laughs> he walked through it. He found the party. Bro, I was on the quad, bro. I was on the quad slinging dick. Yeah. But uh, I feel like having a personality, that, that comedy thing that you guys are talking about, you know, having a personality goes far away. Because listen, man, I know I ain't the handsomest devil on earth. All right. Welcome but, to my club. But. Yeah, like Greg, I can, you know, spot a joke here from time to time. At least, at least be likable. When did you decide intros? When did you come up with that thing? Because you obviously had the best intros in MMA. Man, it, yo, here's why. It, I decided that when I was like a little kid, kind of. Like, I was like, man, do you see how the Undertaker walks out? Oh, my God, Hulk Hogan? Hulk Hogan would just go... You know, that sticks in your brain. You get like, I don't know, something about your neuroplasticity where you're like, your brain gets like hardwired to enjoy a certain thing and imagine yourself. And you know, when I was like, I'll tell the story another time, but I tell met Hulk Hogan. Huh? You can tell it right now. Fuck it. You know what? I remember, man, we went to go, uh, my dad was in uh, Iraq part one, right? And at the, at the elementary school I went to, all right, on the base, they were like, uh, in the after-school program, I think. No, I, yeah, it was. They were like, all right, we're going to meet Hulk Hogan today. And I'm like, what? Like, kablammo. It just exploded my little, you know what I mean, mongoloid mind. And we went on this long bus trip, right? And I was like thinking about, man, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? You know, you're do I was doing the cool kid thing, acting cool, sitting sideways in the bus seat. You know, when you go over the fucking bumps, you jump real high. I was doing that maneuver, right? And, but I, you know, I was acting cool. But inside my mind, I was like, what am I going to ask Hulk Hogan? Man, I got so much to ask him. How did he, how did he slam Andre the Giant above his head? Oh, my God. You know, can, uh, how does he get this big? Like, I, I want to be, I want to be tough like him. I want to be strong like Hulk Hogan. I was just building it up, man. We got there. Hulk Hogan has left. He went to the next venue. The daycare, the daycare instructor must be the equivalent of the modern day MMA fanboys. He got all the kids back on the bus and we chased Hulk Hogan down to the <laughs> yeah. Air Force Base. Okay, it was like 15, 20 miles. This, this adult made sure that us kids got to, you know, go all the way to the Air Force Base. If we get there, not out. Now I'm built up, bro. I'm like, what am I going to ask Hulk Hogan? Okay, because I'm only going to have a second to meet him. So, so what should I ask? Okay, so I, went, I ran down the list in my head, you know, supplements, you know, uh, uh, what type of... Uh, um, you know, uh, 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 what's his favorite technique? Yeah, well, you know, but I was only eight. Come on, okay. bud. Like, right, right, right. You know, I, I was ready. Six. When I was eight, I was ready. 
I, I, I think, like, I think the next year in school, I found out what blowjob meant. Before that, I, I thought it was like, you know, you're like, spit on the dick, which is kind of right by yeah. today's yeah, definition. Yeah. Spit. Kind of starts that way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, man, I was thinking for hours, <laughs> like, as long as it's taken to tell this story about what I was going to ask him. And, man, we get into the auditorium. This is just big rotunda, man. Like, the Air Force got better shit than the Army, I think. I, I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong. For sure. But, yeah, but we went up. Oh, okay. Uh, thanks for the confirmation. But this fucking awesome, like, concert hall, and there's Hulk Hogan, like, that big because he's so far away. I'm so excited. Stood in line for, like, another hour or two. And, man, I got up in front of him. He was larger than life. And I shook his hands, and I asked the only question that I could think because his hands were so calloused and rough and, like, slimy. Right. That I, I just asked him, why do you have banana hands? <laughs> what did he say? What did he say? They're all right, brother. Yeah, good. And slapped me on the back. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I totally understand. It was worse than the time that I, I – I uh, fucking asked Mark Coleman uh, uh, what I should do for training, and he told me, keep going to practice, kid. Fuck out of here. Wait, but my question was, when you come up with those intros, you told this 20-minute story, <laughs> and then you asked about banana hands? So Hulk Hogan was the guy that inspired your intro. Well, and yeah, definitely, because that larger-than-life type thing, and, you know, and I, I never figured to be Hulk Hogan. I didn't want to. As I got older, I was like, I want to be Jason Miller. Right. You know, and then later when Baroni called me Mayhem, I was like, I want to be Mayhem Miller. And then I was like, what, what would Mayhem Miller do? Would he dance to the ring? Fuck yeah, because I was already doing it anyway. I was already doing it anyway. I was like, you know what? Oh, and now we have a budget? What would Mayhem Miller do? Oh, would he get 16 schoolgirls to dance with them? Definitely. Definitely. Okay? So then I just kept doing it. You know, you make these little micro decisions in your head. But did you realize the first time how much crazier the fans went when you did it? Yeah. Well, I always knew from the early days, right, that when I was walking out there, I was bursting with, you know, uh, enthusiasm. And I, what I noticed was that when I would, like, dance around and, like, act crazy, even in these, like, bumfuck, small-ass, ghetto-ass, the ring breaks kind of fights, that the crowd would get behind me or yeah. or get against me, which sometimes that helped motivate me even more. That's even like, better. Yes, yes. In Hawaii, in the early days in Hawaii, like when I was fighting there, uh, I was the bad guy. And I fucking was the bad guy. I would make fun of Hawaiian people, like for what reason? I don't know. I don't know. I would just make fun of how they talk. I would like, talk shit to their grandma you know it's just you got to be the bad guy sometimes but then as time went on and I showcased my martial arts in like a likable way and then I fell in love with the land I like flipped it and I was like you know what I love these guys I love this island I love these people I I, I hope I can fight for them and and you know and I had a whole era of my career where you know because Hawaii was the hot shit during the dark ages where we weren't on TV. We're, uh, fighting wasn't on pay-per-view. And, you know, uh, the promoter there, TJ Thompson, paid me well, treated me well. And uh, I had a, you know, really good experience 
I love uh, them. Lions are like fa- they treat you like family. They're the most. Oh, not at no. Oh, not at first. Not when you're fucking calling them, you know, coconuts and you know. <laughs> All right. So mayhem, uh, Greg, Tyler, our guest right here is the guy from McDojo Life. Um, he he's got a huge fan base on a uh, fan base on Instagram and, and, and you. McDojo Life. We got he, that guy. He's you making. Tell me work, bro. He's Doing making a documentary on fake. Uh, McDo- fake dojos, right? On, on people on that are what? frauds. On, on Has he seen dojos? the one at your house? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, so talk to me. Uh, first of all, I don't even know your name. I just know you as McDojo Life. Oh, yeah, man. It's Rob. Rob. So talk to me about what you're doing. So basically, like, I've been running McDojo Life for like eight years now. And I call out fake frauds and phonies in the martial arts. Con men, guys who are pedophiles, guys who, like, lie about the belt rank fight record, stuff like that. And like over the last eight years, I have not run out of content. I post one thing every day, no matter what, for the last eight years, and I haven't run out. And so people are like, they, they always give me the whole, you should go into those dojos and beat them up. I'm like, first of all, that's fucking retarded. Because if I do that, what are the odds that they might not be just simply better than me? Just because they're a pedophile doesn't mean that they can't like whoop people's ass, you know? So like, especially if you're five. <laughs> yeah, you know? Or like, well, like, let's be honest about it, too. Like, what does that actually solve? Like, if you beat them up, then what? They're still going to exist tomorrow. And right. so, like, my idea is, well, why not make a documentary and just show the, the public how relevant this really is and how many people around the world believe this shit? Because, like, it's pretty big. Like, there are so many con men because there is no regulating body to the martial arts. Yeah, yeah. Nobody in charge of this shit. You could be like, I could open up Rob's all-you-can-eat Chinese food emporium and kung fu buffet and like, you know, you come for the Kung Fu, you stay for the egg rolls. But uh, I can open that. Bro, that I, you know what? I wouldn't get in. I will give you $100,000 for 10% of your company. <laughs> really? on Shark Tank. Fuck yeah. All right. We don't, we don't have this all-you-can-eat Chinese food buffet. Like, you know, the servers come out, teach you a little technique. You open up the fortune cookie, they punch you in the face, and the fortune. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I'm on board. You know what? I'll, I'll work tables. But hey, back, back to your head. Well, back, I'm a terrible waiter. All right. But back to, uh, back to the fight. So back to business. Ooh, all right. So how do you expose these frauds, phonies, and pedophiles? Like, because I feel like you're doing the Lord's work right there. And martial arts is a strange thing because some of my students, like, after I teach them a few things and, like, make them feel good, I mean, they look at me like a god. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, you're doing the work. I remind my students, you're doing the work. You're putting the effort. That's why, you know, you're succeeding. Don't put it all on me, you know. But uh, I can see how, in the wrong hands, this power of martial arts can be wielded negatively. So how do you bring the guys to life? Well, nine times out of ten, it's just as simple as just doing a little bit of research that most people don't know they're supposed to do. Because a lot of these owners, they hide behind the old school mentality of honor, integrity, and all that crap. And then when you get there, they kind of sell you. And so you're sold. All right, cool. This is going to be the best martial art for me ever. But then you run into people who you didn't really do a lot of research on simply because they got you to trust them early. And so you don't do your background research on them because you're like, oh, this is a trustworthy person. I have to believe what they have to say. They're a sensei or they're a professor or coach, whatever, right? And so the average person doesn't know what they're really looking for in terms of a martial arts studio. And like when you start looking at like the business side of things, right? If I were to walk into any martial arts studio, the phone script verbatim would be, hey, man, I'm looking for karate. And then if they're teaching jiu-jitsu, they would look at you and go, oh, what is it about karate that you like? 
And then whatever you say, they're going to turn it back around on you to get you in their class. Wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me grab a pen. I'm opening a gym. I don't know. I don't know if I should be taking notes. Is this a fucking corporate call? We're oh, yeah, we got this on, uh, we were recording, I forgot. I forgot. All right, so, no, all right, so they're like, obviously the first guy that comes to mind is that guy that had like the fake power, power balls. Like he oh was, my God, dude, yes. That, that, dude, that dude's name was Jack Hogan and he runs this thing or ran this thing because he's dead as shit now. He ran Jack Hogan <laughs> International and he convinced people they could knock people out with his mind. Kind of like George Dillman, you right. know, and we want to laugh at that shit because we're in the martial arts and we know what is and what is. <laughs> But, like, if you look at places like Indonesia, I mean, it's, like, ingrained in their culture. This thing called Tanaka Dalam, where I've seen them run over kids because they thought the power of the chi would save them. And these kids died just by being Wait, run over by a truck. Run over kids? Yeah. They're telling them they can stop a, a truck with their mind, with chi? Yeah. yeah they, they, that, they, that, I think that's more like some X-Men shit right there. I don't think that's... <laughs> A martial yeah, arts bro. But, yeah, right? bro. but here's my question, right? But here's That's my question, right? Here's my question. Okay, so I understand, like, the guy who goes like this and the person falls down. Why are people falling down? Like, I never understood, like, the 20 people in a row that fell down. Like, well, how it's wrestling. It's coordinated. But, but, no, t like, did you ever interview those people? Like, how do they? Yeah. Yeah, so for the documentary, we actually, there's a guy, his name is Lewis Martin. He wrote a book about being in a martial arts cult. And he wound up working his way up from being a student all the way to being like the head instructor of their, their headquarters. And he talks about how like he had this moment of clarity where he realized he was like shoveling this crap down students' throats, even mm -hmm. though he had an epiphany that it didn't work. But it was his paycheck. And of course, like, and like any other cult, that's his like his, his social structure. Those are like his friends now and who he considers his family and his mentors. So like it's, it probably took, I think, about eight years for him to get to that point. But then he got out. And then he wrote a book about the whole thing. So we're going to be interviewing him. Uh, what? Yeah. Okay. I got some questions for him that maybe you should take some notes to ask. Okay. <laughs> Why did he jump out? Right. That's a that's the one. That's a question. Right. Why did he like just suddenly? You know what I mean? I, I couldn't see. Probably because he realized it was a con. Well, well no, but I'm for. saying, but he'd been doing it for eight fucking years. Okay. <laughs> you think that the Tiger King? would have walked away from his <laughs> sex cult? Yeah, I don't think so, bud. They had to drag No, him but away. like that, that one girl walked away from the other guy's cult, cult the sex cult, cult that he had, because she finally woke up and was like, I don't, this is a fucking cult. So Not she him, walked away from it. I mean, sometimes you have an epiphany that you're part of, you're part of a cult and you walk you away. You know what, <laughs> as, a, as a cult leader, I do recall <laughs> some people every once in a while getting hip to the game and, and take it off. You know what I mean? I, I get it. You you know, there's got to be some strategy for retention well, of, your, my, of your I, psycho <laughs> followers. Well, that, you know, that's what Scientology lives on is fucking retention. Oh, bro, don't say that, bro. Your fucking career is over. Hold on. Might oh, as Tyler. well say Tyler, fuck the saying, Jews. Tyler, Tyler. Yeah, you know, like, first, you start as a student, right? You sign up for this class. It's your first time to, like, work with the instructor and, okay, you're going to fall over now. What What's that thought process where they're like, well, well, this is supposed to work. So. Well, it's a gradual process. So it's like, you know, like, for instance, let's talk about, like, a one technique that almost every martial art teaches, right? Like a basic front kick. Like Muay Thai, they call it a T, right? Taekwondo is like a snap kick or whatever. But right. it's in every martial art, right? Do you think I'm going to give you the gold that is no-touch knockouts that I put up on this high pedestal on your first day? No, man. I have to slowly but surely convince you that I am God before we get to that point. 
And then once I do that, then it's so much easier for me to convince you of pretty much anything because I've built the structure around you. Like what I've seen, like in his book, he talks about like why he left. And he said, basically he left because there was an instructor that used to be with him that left the school. Yeah, exactly. And I'll tell you what that's called. It's called fucking hypnosis. Yeah. Like when you, when you watch these people, you know, and I think the stand-up comedians here on the block will, will vouch for this, that when you get a room full of people and you're talking in this rhythm and then suddenly everything makes sense, people are hypnotized. I, well, I've seen well, it where, like, see, I, nobody I've cut seen me off comic. on <laughs> Adam didn't cut me off. Greg Wilson didn't cut me off. You know why? Tyler stayed silent. You know why? Because we're friends. Oh, oh my God. See? see? <laughs> He's the number one student. You got your blue belt in hypnosis today. Thank you, right. Rob, Rob. You know, okay. thing, though, like, I grew up in a lot of those churches where you know the preachers would say they could commit miracles and yeah. fill you, and they would mm. get everybody all in like you said it is hypnosis they get everybody all chanting and doing the same thing and then they would do very similar to the powerball move they only would be the holy spirit and they'd yeah. be like yeah and people would oh. <laughs> i feel the spirit voluntarily part of the, the theatrics and in their minds, they thought it was real. Because Let me tell you, Greg, that shit is fun, bro. I went to a church a while ago, and they said talking Yeah, Pentecostal churches do that all the time. Yeah, but Mayhem, you were naked with a fire extinguisher, though. Yeah, and it was a blast. Fucking, hey, you don't know how to have fun, my friend. You're right. Yeah, you have. I've laughed more hanging out with you than I have in a long time. Rob, so let's talk about somebody recently who people are kind of saying might be a fraud. Diego Sanchez's coach. Uh, you're talking about Fabia. I already know you're going to say Fabia. Joshua Fabia. Uh, talk to you about this guy. So he has a video on his personal page before he made it private. And the video was eight minutes long, and it was entitled, The Most Interesting Man You've Never Met. And he hired someone to narrate this video. It's still on there if you can find it. He hired somebody to narrate how great he was in the third person. And so it's the greatest thing ever. It's like, Joshua Fabia walks into a room and everyone lights up. And it's shit like that for like eight minutes, right? Oh this my man. God. Hey, wait, wait, God. before you go on, Greg, <laughs> Adam, will you guys please write me a legendary fucking thing? And you can include the church incident. You could include, you know what I mean? Any story I told, and you can embellish it as much as you want. But I want, I want Greg and, yeah, I want Greg and Adam to write my, most interesting man you've never met video. Please, guys. I'll pay. Oh, this pay is going to be delicious. Yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, my I God, you. yes. I trust you, brother. All right. I'm sorry, Rob. Uh, go on with your analysis of No, Fabia. shit. Fuck that. Fuck what I have to say. I want to hear this. No, no, no. no, 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 no. You're, you're the expert at bullshit suits, so <laughs> let's fucking get down to business because this fucking thing with Diego really stresses me out. You know what I mean? He's a strong fighter, strong-minded, and to see him kind of be hypnotized, it was kind of weird. Well, the, what really sucks is, like, he started writing about, like, suicide on his Instagram stories and stuff because everybody's, like, attacking his instructor, cult leader guy, right? And yeah. so I left the shit alone. If you notice, I haven't posted anything about it. Uh, right? And I leave that shit alone because once somebody starts talking about suicide, like, I'm out. Like, dude, I'll leave that shit alone. Like, let him have his space. And he's paid his fucking dues, right? Like, he's paid his dues. I'm amazing motherfucker still fighting, to be honest, but he's still... Yeah, but, yeah. Guy, but, all right, but how does a guy like this 
convince a guy like Diego Sanchez, who's trained with the best people in the world and has been one of the best fighters in the world, to drop everything he knows and trust him? Well, well, that, I mean, think about it. Like, he left Jackson Winklejohn, right? We don't know what the fuck really happened there, but he left them. Obviously, this guy was there during that time. He's at the end of his career. What is he going to do after he's done fighting to make income? So now he's a business partner under the School of Self-Awareness. Oh. Right? And so, basically, Fabia gave him a way out. He was like, look, dude, when you're done, why don't you become a business partner with my school and you can make some money off of me? So, like, I'm sure that that guy was at the right time, right place to take advantage of this dude. And Diego... Yeah always been eccentric to say the least he's always been his own person which i think is why he gets so much respect because he's like fuck you i'll be whoever i want to be and that's who he chooses to be and that's fine but i think he had the right personality type at the right time for this guy to come in and just kind of take advantage of that and so it's really like, like adam with me yeah yeah and like uh <laughs> like every woman and me yeah, i'm I know. kidding i'm kidding <laughs> So um, as far it's as not uh, actually that hard, like it's not that hard to, to brainwash a new student. Like my sales percentages right now are about 75% for anybody who walks through any studio that I ever help. Um, and because I know what's called the five objections, like pretty much almost anybody here money off of the shit. Like, you know, it's, it's basic standard shit, but like all these people use it to take advantage of people to rip them off financially. I can use those same things to turn it around and try to help people. It's all intent. That's the only difference between like a studio and a cult is like the intent. The leader wants to help you or he only wants to like, you know, like fuck your bitch and then take your money. Like, so you're making a documentary exposing these gyms, but how are you not going to get sued by these gyms? Who gives a shit? Just because if it's right, it's right. Why should I care? Well, you know, like think about the industry now. How come nobody's made a documentary about it yet? It's because they're fucking scared. Why? These people, like, there's a guy right now, his name's David Arnbeck. He raped a 15-year-old girl in his home. He runs three MMA gyms right now where he still teaches kids because he got a plea deal. Now, am I supposed to worry about, oh, my God, if I say his name, I might get sued, or should I just say it because it's the right thing to do? Fuck him. Like, to me, like, I think half the battle I think it's just about showing proof and truth. As long as I don't lie, what are they going to sue me over? Slander, liable? I'm showing proof. Now, like, what about Lloyd, what about Lloyd Irvin? What do you know about him? Uh, <laughs> uh, now or late or previous? <laughs> Talk to me about it. Keenan Cornelius days, where like the rape allegations were flying, and he was running basically a cult out of that house. Is that what you're kind of talking about? I, I just know that his name comes up as like, and then the word rape comes up, and he was going to rape somebody I, allegedly. I don't know. I'm actually asking you about it. It's not like, a good combo to have come up. No, well, I mean. <laughs> So, like, during the time that Keenan Cornelius was, like, a part of that particular team, basically they had a house where all the guys who were a part of the team kind of lived. And it was kind of like some studios do that shit from time to time where you kind of, like, live there and train at the studio in exchange for whatever the exchange is. I don't know what the fuck it was. But, you know, during that time, of course, it's a whole bunch of guys in their young 20s, if even that, hyped up as being some of the best in the world because the team truly was. I mean, they were doing really, really well. They were winning all these gold medals, Abu Dhabi shit, all that, right? And so their ego starts to get the better of them. Next thing you know, all these dudes who only work out and fucking talk about killing people with their bare hands, and next thing you know, you add a couple hot bitches, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to do gangster shit because they were raised to be gangsters. And so, of course, like, you know, I think that most people are in their right mind would not go rape a woman, but apparently that was something that had come up during some type of a party that they had. I can't sit in there and speak because, like I was there because I wasn't, but I can tell you that there were allegations of that. And I can tell you that Keenan Cornelius' father, 
who was uh, Tom Kalos, who was a really famous martial artist who's been around for a really long time, uh, wound up getting a message, I think, if I, if I remember correctly, in the middle of the night from Keenan. And Keenan was like, dude, I'm out. Like, I can't be here anymore. And Tom Kalos went and picked him up and took him out. And I guess during that time, there was a lot of red flags as to that being a cult, the way that they were treated, the way that they were taught to be. I mean, that shit happens all the time, though, to be honest. Think about how many martial arts studios have instructors who don't get paid and still have to pay their dues. Like, that's bullshit to me. You basically have a slave and who you've convinced to not pay you and to pay them, you know? I'm going to work for you and pay you full price. I can't wait. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Of, you know, about, about the journey. this type exactly yeah like because i done that you know what i mean coach for free and like you know uh uh been part of the team and you know i don't even think i ever paid my dues but still you know <laughs> I, I, I you know like it's fighters like me i've done it too where it's like yeah i will i'll teach classes in exchange for not having to pay yeah dues. yeah, yeah because you, exactly you understand it you understand it that when you're training martial arts okay it's something that you don't do just for the money. It's too fucking hard for the shitty money that you get at the beginning of it. You yeah. know what I mean? And when I was telling the story earlier, when I was living at the fight house and having threesomes with fat chicks at the damn uh, pool, okay? I, I was fighting for like 100 bucks, 500 bucks. Like, you know, and I was at the gym like all day anyway. So fuck it, here's a mop. Go go mop the mat, you know? Here, you know, here's the thing. and And, in order to succeed in martial arts, you need this singular focus. And there's no way for that many people uh, working like an army to not be a little bit of a cult, a little mm. bit of a clique where, where the outsiders are the enemy, because they are, they are, like, that, that's, <laughs> you know, they are, they are. Think about how long, like, there was a gym down the street from, from Jacare's uh, when I was a kid called Obaki. They were the enemy. Why? I don't fucking know. I, I don't even know these guys. <laughs> but they do a different style than we do. So therefore, our cult is like over here. and But then once the gym went down the drain, we absorbed some of the fighters from that gym and became brothers with them. So there has to be some type of like cult mentality for everybody to progress quicker to everybody to be quicker. And these scumbags, fucking rapists are like, they're, they're just taking advantage sullying martial arts, sullying martial arts uh, with this fucking objection. You know, like earlier you you're talking, earlier yeah. you talked about, earlier you talked about, uh, <laughs> you know, honor and bullshit. Nah, bro, that, that, that's a serious thing. You know, the code of Bushido, I think every gym, should live by Dakota Bushido. Well, I think my know? problem with it is, is that I think that when you're actually doing it and following it, like yeah. you know, talk, it's different than hiding behind it. And I think that that's what a lot of these con artists do is while they're, while they're taking advantage of people, the reason you can't question them is because uh, that's not or that's not honorable. I don't think that that stuff's bullshit by all means. Uh, I think that it's important. Okay. But I will definitely say that I think there are definitely gyms out there, and that's how they kind of work that, right. that brain. You know it happens? It happens at comedy clubs. We see it with bookers that take advantage of female comics. It's, it's anytime there's a power structure. So when is this documentary coming out? Well, the, the coronavirus, like, shut down almost all the goddamn gyms in the United States. So no, like, just 
Just throw a chi energy ball at the coronavirus. <laughs> It'll fucking work. Trust me. But how I, many, I, listen, Asian's been gyms, coughing in my mouth all day. How many gyms do you plan on exposing in your documentary? Well, as of right now, we have seven on the books that have agreed to be filmed. And so we're coming at it from the middle ground. Like exposing is kind of like whether or not you think they did something wrong. So like- Right, you're uh, kind of letting them expose themselves. Kind of, yeah. Cause like, we're not going in there just to fight them. Like, but if somebody says they can knock someone out their mind, right? I will be the first to volunteer. Like, please do that to me. Yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. Mean, if they're like, oh, well you have to be aggressive to do this. I can be aggressive, let's do that. Oh, well you raised your big toe and your tongue's in the wrong place in your mouth. All right, well fuck it, I'll put it where it needs to be. Prove it, right? And then, like, uh, there's a guy who was on Amazing Randy's show back in the day. You know, James Randy, right? He did this thing where it was like, if you can prove that you have these psychic abilities, he'd pay you out like $100,000, some shit, yeah. right? And so there was this martial arts cult leader. His name was James Hydrick. And so James Hydrick convinced people he could move pages of a book with his mind. And he had, like, thousands of students for, like, years, right? That He really thought he could do this shit because he was, like, such a good magician and con man. Well, he winds up molesting like a fifth or uh, five kids, right? He gets busted for that and he runs. He's on the run from the law. What does he do? He winds up booking himself on Sally Jesse Raphael while on the run from the law. Does the show. As soon as he's off the show, he gets arrested, right? And they put him in a mental institution only an hour away from our production studio. And so we're going to go interview him because he actually openly admits to being a con and a fraud. So we're going to find out and pick his brain. How did you do it? Like, how did you convince all of these people? And he admits to not knowing any martial arts, even though he taught them martial arts. He admitted to wanting them. Um, but I want to know why. How did you do it? How did you get it done? And so we can have a deep look at this, like, cult-like behavior and really break it down and hopefully help some people who might be interested in the martial arts or might be in a cult now to get out or never join in the first place and do something legitimate. But, Rob, That's how far are you going to go? Like, for example, I took a class one time. I was in Canada. And this girl teaching boxing had no business teaching boxing. She was like, she, her hands were down. And she's like, okay, are we going to expose those people? Because they're going to get someone killed if, if they, act, or are, are you just going to stick to like the bigger the pedophiles and the, the, the bigger frauds? Well, half of that's budget, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, shit, can we, how many can we afford to do? Um, but as of right now, like the goal is to talk about like how easy it is to manipulate people into joining martial arts and let people know there is no regulating body. I mean, shit, to be an electrician, right? You get certified to be a yeah. fucking plumber. You have to be certified to be a martial artist. All I have to do is say, I'm a martial artist and open a door. That's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of, that's true. But if anybody would do some bare bones research, they could figure out, you can figure out what the good schools are, but you just got to do some research. You're right. I, well, think, I think, that think it's you like should... he says, most people don't do the research. They just see the sign and they see the belts and a couple of Chinese letters and they're like, oh, this, this, this is martial arts. I'm going to sign up. I, I mean, I think that also it has a lot to do with people and what they're looking for. Because in martial arts, we don't really cold call people. Like people typically come to us, right? People call us, hey, I'm looking for kickboxing or whatever it is, right? So whenever you get there, like sometimes the atmosphere and the way people talk to you is everything. So like, for instance, there's something called the five objections. We kind of touched on it earlier, which is what people say instead of saying the word no. So most people are afraid of conflict. So they don't tell you no when it's time to sign up. They say, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I have to think about it. I need to talk to my spouse or it's too far away. So if I'm a salesperson, right, and all I'm trying to do is get them to sign up, all I have to do is just say a couple sentences and I can get around all that bullshit within the first 10 minutes 
before I even sell you and you've already almost signed up. Like if you walk in the door, I'm like, hey man, my name's Rob, Steve, right? Cool, nice to meet you. You come from home or work? Oh, well, I live right around the corner. Well, now you can't tell me it's too far away. I go, okay, cool, that's awesome. How long have you been thinking about doing something like this? Oh man, I've been thinking about this for well, years. Who coached you in this verbal jujitsu? <laughs> well, that skill right there is actually from Bill Clark. So Bill Clark runs ATAs. So like if anybody in most martial arts, most martial artists know him as like the money guy. So if you ever take like a business seminar on how to run a martial arts studio, Bill Clark's name usually is what pops up or the martial arts industry association. Back in the day, it used to be NAPMA. Now it's Maya, but there's like whole organizations that do nothing but handle the business side of martial yeah, arts. Yeah, It's basically the martial arts of the business. It's a, you know what I mean? It's like, verbal, hey. well, those are, those are traditional sales techniques. I yes, mean, anyone yes. that's ever done sales, the first thing they do is go over what the standard objections are going to be, and yeah. here's the script for how to address those objections. Yeah. I mean, that's standard sales for pretty much for any industry. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, Rob, what are your thoughts on uh, the Gracie Online Academy? I mean, I don't mind. Like, to me, it's just basically like YouTube. But my problem is, is like when you give out belts online. Yeah. Like, that's what. <laughs> If you want to go watch the techniques on YouTube and then try them out with your friends, who gives a shit, right? They're, they're there. Try something out new. Learn some techniques or whatever, right? But it, I think the real issue is when you start giving out belts online. It's like why? Wait, wait, wait. You know, I'm gonna disagree with you there. Oh. Here's why: because I, I feel like uh, if with the technology that we possess today, and you got a training partner, and you can show me your Instagram video that you know my 33 techniques for blue rank certification which is coming soon, <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, if, if, if my students, even online, can show me these 33 techniques, you're good enough for this level. I, I, I disagree. I think that that's the way to do it. Like, I well, think that it, right today, today you have a reach. Look at us. We're fucking jabber John. I don't know where you are. Where are you? Florida. He's in, same difference. He's in Florida. <laughs> We're all in Southern California, you know, and so we have this thing now. We're we're de I'm definitely learning a lot from you right now, you know. And I I, I feel particularly like how to answer those five objections. Oh <laughs> uh, fuck! I, I gotta write these. I gotta go back and study this podcast. Yeah. But so yeah, like I mean, the thing is too is like I'm not I, who the fuck am I? I'm just some guy online, right? Like I basically make a living now, just like calling out people who are like basically ripping people off and robbing them, right? But like. And the end of the day, people can do whatever it is that they want to do. I think half the battle is labeling, labeling things correctly. Like if you're doing like some martial art in which it has absolutely no self-defense application whatsoever, who gives a shit? You know, who cares? But if you're doing it and you're labeling it the wrong way, well, that's dangerous. So in your you opinion, know? like Coach Edmund, right, with Ronda Rousey. With <laughs> head movement. Head movement. Head movement. No, away from the punches. Oh, oh fuck. No, you. no, no, no. Would, 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 would he qualify as one of your uh, McDojos? I mean, I don't know. I haven't done any research on the man. So I, I, I like to give like an honest opinion, you know, like an educated one at least. I mean, nah, he, was a legit, uh, he was a legit fighter. He was a Muay Thai fighter. He held belts and stuff. He just was a bad belt. Ma'am, <laughs> in your experience, how many McDojos have you run into? You know, to be honest with you, I would kind of avoid them. But one time in Vegas, right, when I was living and training in Vegas, Here's I saw something. a Kung Fu school. And I was with, remember I told you I had a bunch of gangsters corner me in the Nationals of Wrestling? Yes. I was, I was with those same gangsters. And we were like, yo, they were like, oh, shit, Kung Fu, Mayhem, get at them. And I was like, yeah. And I jumped <laughs> out the car, right? And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to fuck up a Kung Fu guy today. Because back in high school, like, 
I literally would go to McDojo's and try to fight everyone. And right. nobody, you know, I mean, like, everyone was scared, you know. But when I went to this kung fu school, right, this dude, like, smiled. He was very gentle. He was, like, a nice guy. You know, he was a lot smaller than me. I think I could have ripped his head off, you know what I mean, and made him eat his own ass. But <laughs> after 15 minutes, me and my gangster friends were walking out the door with schedules, smiling. Kung Fu works. Wait, did you actually... This <laughs> motherfucker... Bro, I signed up for fucking 12 months. I, 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 I could leave him out of that contract. Like, man, uh, bro, he overcame objection. all my five objections, right? And then he fucking... He snapped me down to a front headlock and, and took my credit card out of my pocket. <laughs> no, did you actually... Amazing. No, hold up, Kung hold Fu up. works. Did you, spar, did you actually spar him? No, motherfucker. I, no. He, he convinced me that he was fucking awesome, and I love that guy, and I hope he's succeeding today. <laughs> so Kung never, Fu works. You never, how do you know? But you never actually went up against him, though. Bro, I knew I could fuck the him. Art of fighting just without on fighting, size alone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, he fought with his mind. You're missing the whole point. As I mean, usual, Adam. <laughs> Adam, <laughs> Adam. Adam, let me just point out, on MMA Roasted, you flip between misunderstanding me completely and like explaining all my jokes to the audience. Are okay. all our audience dumb? No, I think you just represents the world at large at that point. Obviously okay. not. I just sometimes your fucking your stories are like, yeah. And then yesterday I walk in, I got shot 19 times, a grenade yeah. goes off, and a dog bit yeah. me. And then, like, as if that's what happens to everybody. So I go, Mayhem, please explain why you got shot nine times. And then you're yeah, like, yeah. oh, well, what happened was, and then I want people to understand. Sometimes, like, right. what's normal for you isn't normal for everyone else in the world. I'm beginning to realize that. Everyone else in the world. Yeah, my bad. Tyler, uh, you're a brown belt. Have you ever uh, encountered any McDojos in your career? Uh, no. I mean, I haven't, like, walked into any places just – out of curiosity. You're not an asshole like me? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just started later in life. So by the time I would be able to do anything, I was already 30. So it's like, uh, you know. That yeah, you're already a, a decent human. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I took Krav Maga and, uh, for a little bit. I, got, I won like a free six months of Krav Maga. And I enjoyed it. But I did kind of wonder sometimes, they would give out these plastic guns to like soccer moms. And they were like, okay, when someone pulls it out on you, take this, go like that, catch the gun, and shoot the guy in the head or something. It, it, and I'm, I'm oversimplifying it, but I was like, yeah, I'm not sure if this is a really a good strategy to be teaching people. Um, bro, they, they would say first bro, of all, I like, told you it works. Give I told you on the podcast before, I snatched that fucking gun out of that little dude's hand. I didn't mention he was little at the time, but it works a lot better if the guy's little. Okay. <laughs> well, they always miss the first step, which is shit your pants. Step one, you shit your pants, and then step two, you start to disarm. I think and, that's I, and obviously, I think Krav Maga is awesome. I'm just saying that sometimes, like sometimes you do, sometimes watch those videos that you put up, where the guy or that woman will be in, like instructing people, and they have a gun, and they're like, "Oh, just go like that," and then that can catch the gun. And you're like, "Hey, my favorite one, bro, is I saw it, and I saw it on like John Wick uh, yesterday or the day before, where." Somebody fucking armbar somebody with a pistol right in their face. 
I'm like, oh, my. He just <laughs> flying arm bars the guy, right? I'm like, yeah, that's brilliant. I want the <laughs> fucking barrel pressed right against my fucking cheeky, and hopefully he won't biz me my fucking eye out. <laughs> well, you know, is John Wick is known as like a documentary. So. Yeah, yeah. John Wick is my favorite documentary. Part three, Parabellum. <laughs> Listen, Rob, it was uh, an honor having you on. Where can people find you and, and, and support? Are, are you are you are you kickstarting this or Indiegogo or? No, we actually finished our crowdfunding. We got like two investors to hop in, and we got like twenty k for the documentary for the crowdfunding, which I'm super appreciative of. Because I mean, shit. Without the community, there's no point of doing this shit anyway. Because it's for them. So I'm glad people got behind it. But they can pretty much find us anywhere. McDojo Life. Uh, on Instagram. We just got our Facebook removed for a copyright issue. I'm fighting that right now. But, uh, you know, when you piss off people, they tip, sometimes they fight back. So, fuck them. I'm going to keep going. Anyway. <laughs> keep going, going, brother. Fight a good fight. Keep going. We love it. Well, Rob, good luck with everything, brother. Good luck. Thanks a lot, Rob. Appreciate you, dude. Yeah, that was super interesting. All right. That was, that was crazy, man. I've been following that page for like two Me too. Years. It's fucking Everybody has. I know. Amazing. It is good. Yeah, it's so weird that you know what I mean. Like that, that that still exists. You know, with real fighting the way it is, and UFC on the damn television, and yeah. the internet pumping into everybody's home. Like that same answer too, where it's like, oh well, this stuff—it's too deadly. They they can't use it these these techniques in the cage. Like, okay, on. boomer. Yeah, but you can. Well, if you remember, you, you know, do you guys remember when box. UFC really blew up? You know, uh, uh, MMA dojos also blew up. Yeah. Where there was like one on every corner there for a yeah. minute. And I remember seeing that. I was like, where did all these instructors come from? You well, know? it's a tale as old as time. It's because like they always, they would say that like a lot of the Brazilians, they like, they got their uh, black belt on the airplane over to America. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, you know, I, I'll attest to that. I, there might be some truth to that because I've seen uh, instructors that like when I got to California, there was a couple of Brazilians that I was like, yo, man, I could whoop your ass. Like, they and know I'm what only they're like they're probably 18. Like a, a new purple belt. They know That's what, what I mean. They know yeah. the technique, but they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Not so scared. it's like a weird thing. And so it's a tale as old as time. I'm sure in samurai times, there was like, oh, he's stupid. He don't know real technique. This guy make a joke. Do you remember pressure points for the big thing? There was like, oh, yeah, yeah. there were like six parts of your body you could do and the, the guy will yeah. be dead in three seconds if you just karate chop the guy's neck like this. No, no, let me tell you, motherfucker. I karate chopped a man's neck, knocked That's him real. the fuck out. Yeah, that yeah, shit is real. real. If you okay, shot the dude's get... carotid artery, yeah. yeah. This is if what I mean by mayhem. Perfect example of, when do you karate chop a guy's neck and, yeah. and knock them out? You just, you've been hitting me with the fucking, I don't know, uh, are you fucking with me? Do you know yeah, that I, I have all right this now. Adam, I'm gonna send you a video right now. He keeps teeing me up. He keeps teeing me up. No, so when do you karate chop a guy's neck and knock him out, for real? Fuck, Atlanta, yeah, again. I fucking, this dude was, uh, was getting after me and I just like had seen the video or something. Like, or wait. No, Sensei Steve. What do you mean a dude was me getting that. after you? Like, where were you? Like, like in what? a bar, and you know, outside of the club that I worked at, you know. And then the guy fucking came at me, and I like, I like, uh, you know, hopped back because I was like, you know, I didn't want to get into it. This guy, I'm at work. I hopped back, but he came charging after me. I just gave him that one on the side of his neck, 
and he fell the fuck down. I was like, oh, oh, oh. and like, yeah, yeah. Like, and then you shot a fireball. And then you fireball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Hadouken this motherfucker. Well, how come How come in the UFC you rarely see guys cry chop necks? Because the dudes in the UFC got tough-ass necks, and they're ready. <laughs> this dude was not ready for that. I wasn't even ready. I, I just did it on a whim. You know what I mean? So well, isn't, if you have your, if you have your neck tight. In, throat in, in MMA, the new rules, like you can't. But, I mean, you, you could try, right? Strike to the throat. Exactly, yeah. But, like, at the same time, like, if you're in a good stance and you got good technique, you're, your fucking jaw is down, and it's right. part of your neck. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's part. Yeah, it's, it's only like a muscle. Your neck's, like, relaxed. You can't. If yeah, you're if you're, like, stuff, hanging out. Just, if you're hanging yeah. out like this, yo, man, punch me in the fucking neck, bro. <laughs> Well, nah, didn't, Askren, you know. didn't Askren get knocked out? It was like to his neck, right? That fly. I know, yeah. I yeah. remember that. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I mean, but that's also a fucking knee coming. Well, think about the force. Yeah, think about the force of that knee, right? And think about how I, I saw it explained on like sports science or something one time. The way concussion worked, you know, is that you whip your brain so fast that in the uh, uh, Oh, there's a fluid. I almost had the name. I'll do some research and get back. But cerebrospinal fluid. Cerebrospinal fluid, your fucking brain jiggles around and touches the side of your skull, and it's too much. And yeah. so you get knocked out. You know what I mean? Uh, I think it's a different situation when you're talking karate chop to the neck. Karate chop to the neck, I think, works because, like a and I'm not sure, yeah, you hit you hit a nerve pressure point. You also hit the carotid artery, which disrupts the blood flow to your brain, yeah. which probably, you know, and I'm and I'm theorizing here, it probably tells your brain to go, oh fuck this. Like I gotta turn off to conserve energy so I don't die. You know, and I don't I think the reason you don't see it in the UFC, first of all, them gloves, way too big. You can't get that sharp part. Secondly, the athletes are super conditioned. Their necks are tough as fuck. Yeah. And maybe when the guy's real tired, maybe you could use that technique. But again, those gloves don't let you really get that ridge hand in there. And the reality is a ridge hand is, is definitely a good attack. I mean, I feel like sorry. That, I feel like McGregor's going to do that next. Like, yeah, McGregor, exactly. He's like, yeah. You know, Tyler, um, in the Marines, what kind of stuff do they teach you guys? I mean, they teach. I just sent you a video of a of a marine neck chopping another marine. Bro, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen yeah, that dude. One. It's legit. That's a that's when we go over most of the stuff is like what you would get in your first six months at like an MMA gym. You're learning armbar from the guard, triangle from the guard, one sweep, one mount escape, uh, jab, cross, hook, uppercut, round kick, teep, mm. and like. Hammer fists. Did you ever use uh, it in battle? Did you ever use any of these in battle? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, listen, I use your farm. But yeah, it, basically, they teach you like the basic basics of like how to get your ass kicked. So if you don't train past what they they teach you, like we had kids get in a fight in boot camp, and this dude they call it the basic warrior stance, which is fighting like a fighting stance, boxing stance. It's called the basic warrior stance in the Marines. And this kid legit goes into it and screams Marine Corps. And he's just, like, squared up. Can tell he's never thrown a punch in his life, but he's ready to fight because he learned some fucking McMap, and he's ready to go. And he got knocked the fuck out. Ooh. <laughs> it's hilarious. Ooh. At least he didn't yell fuck life. Were you that kid or no? 
No, I was not that kid. That kid was uh, Tom, something Thompson. Now, what did you think? Oh, he was wicked. Now, so, he was already over. Were, we, were you guys laughing, or were you guys like, oh, oh yeah, we were all gathered around laughing. It was hilarious. We had some, yeah, good, the business. We had some good ones. I'll never forget that day. I got knocked clean out. Yeah. <laughs> Frank, have you ever got knocked out before in your life? You know, I've never been knocked out. You know, I haven't. I've been in a few fights, but most of them when I was a kid. Oh. And can I tell you this? This is a true story. When I, you know when you're a kid and you watch movies, everybody one punch and they're out cold, right? One punch and they just go to sleep and the hero never has to worry about them again. So the first fight I got into, I thought that's all I had to do. And this kid came up behind me, but I managed to get him in a headlock and I was just swinging up into his face. And every punch, I was like, when's he going to go to sleep? He wouldn't go to sleep. And finally, my hand got tired of hitting him. Jean-Claude Van Damme's a fucking liar, man. Uh, liar. That, but honestly, though, Van Damme is, uh, those movies are the best. I could watch Bloodsport yes. any day of the week. Bro, we all love it. Everybody loves Bloodsport. If you don't, you're not an American. And Out for Justice. <laughs> I think Out for Justice is my favorite Seagal movie. Out for Justice was unbelievable. Pretty good one. Pretty good yeah. one. You know, I, I don't know. I, I think that Bloodsport just kind of takes the top spot. And for me, Mortal Kombat is kind of next, right? Like, I, I, it was cheesy and shitty, but at the time, it just made me feel like fucking powerful, bro. I was just like, you know what I mean? Get over here! You know, like... This no, is for my... me, it's Karate Kid 1. Karate Kid, Fuck. the first one. That yeah. will solid, always be the rock solid karate choice. movie. How solid do you think choice. Steven Seagal would have done in UFC 1? Like, in shape, Steven Seagal. For real. UFC 1? Yeah. Might have won a fight. He might have beat the the Taekwondo yeah. dude that kicked the fat guy's teeth out. Yeah, I give him I give him high marks over Emmanuel Yarborough. I, I think that it's a good match. It's a good matchup for him. And uh, you know what? You know what? Fuck it. Second round, I think that you know Steven Seagal best uh, Taylor Tuli. I think that uh, Taylor Tuli goes down. The the Hawaiian art of bone breaking is definitely not uh, you know something for Aikido, okay? Aikido pisses on bone breaking. Shout out to my Aloha Warriors, so no offense. Also, the guy that, <laughs> the, 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 the uh, Jewish guy that Mark Coleman used to beat up all the time, uh, they got one guy from Israel that was like, his name was like Noel, like, Hindenburg oh. or something. What's that guy's name? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, guy, yeah. The one guy that had the worst draw. It was like him versus Mark Coleman and then somebody <sighs> else. It was like Haim something, like something. I forgot the guy's name, but I was he like, oh. guy? Well, yeah, it was a crop guy guy. He kept getting the shit beaten out of him every time. But he had heart. The guy had heart. Uh, but it just wasn't, it wasn't the right fit for him, you know? Yeah, I don't remember his name. Sorry, bud. I, but, you don't you know, talk about we, that, right? If we, yeah, yeah. If we would, but like, isn't most of the Krav Maga stuff considered illegal strikes anyway? Like eye gouging? Not back then. Kicking in the nuts and shit like that? Yeah, but I mean, not back then. One, you could pull hair and kick him in the nuts. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, that's, you how, one. that's how Voice beat Chemo. Just grabbed his fucking hair and held on. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Kimo gassed himself Kimo. out by, by carrying a huge cross. I mean, that was like, he was like the original. What's the that? original Deontay Wilder? Yeah, he was like the original Deontay Wilder. Oh, the legs oh were what a mess that was. Cross. Oh, my God. Who's that idea? Did you ever meet Kimo, uh, Mayhem? Yeah. Yeah, I did, yeah. He was cool. Dude, like, was I just was, awesome. like, shocked. You know what I mean? Like. Because at the time, I was like, 
coming up as a star. And I was like, oh, my God, now I'm hanging out with Kibo. And I had already hung out with Boss Rootin' a bunch. So I was like, with with, uh, Tank Abbott? That's the weird one, bro. The universe is keeping us away from each other. I fucking never ran into that guy, ever. Never seen him in real life. Never, never even heard about, oh, you just missed Tank Abbott. Never. Like, we're just like two, like, quasars that are polar opposite. You know what I mean? He was, he was one of my favorite fighters, though. Like, he was like... Well, for sure. You know, this fucking fat guy, white trash look. I mean, oh, my God. We all love it. He was a legit wrestler, though. He was actually a good... I think he a college wrestler. I know. I remember, and powerful guy. Remember one time... Got him a guest spot on Friends. One time I, t- I asked him... Uh, no, I, I, I hung out with Tito. I directed Tito in this, like, whatever thing for the MA Awards. And it was a fight where Tank Abbott had to throw a guy over the cage, right? Like, um, which... At that point, like the guy's just gonna walk back in the cage. Like, what's I don't even know the point of trying to throw a guy over the cage. But and I asked Tank why he did that because he trained with him and he said because in practice the day before they were like, I bet you can't throw the guy over the cage. So, so like he just tried to, to actually do that. That was no. Like, have you ever had any any people bet you things before your fights you couldn't do? Nah, I mean, bro, probably, probably. I, I remember one time uh, we, we ate spaghetti before the damn fight, right before. <laughs> and I, and, oh, I, uh, and I, uh, I got on the guy's back and, like, burped spaghetti through my nose <laughs> onto his back and my chest. Who, who, which uh, guy was that? And, uh, and then I got, went back to my corner. Uh, and, I, and I was like, oh, actually, I just stood up off the guy. I think, I think he slept. Sean, Sean Kilgus. You know, I got, like, this record online that doesn't reflect my true record. I got, like, 12 more wins. Like, a bunch of stories that, I, you know, I've yet to tell of, like, fights that back in the day when it was dark ages, no internet, really. I mean, we had the internet, but it wasn't like today. So there was, like, a ton of these underground fights that yeah. I would do all over the South. And none of them are recognized, but I remember them. Because that spaghetti on my chest was fucking hilarious. And I pointed to my corner, like, ah, check it out. What is that? I'm like, spaghetti from across the fucking ring, you know. And uh, so I guess they bet me to eat all that spaghetti, and uh, I won. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I got in a fight with a comic one time at a comedy club. I told you that story, right? No. Wait. What? Please regale me. At the haha. This fucking comic. Oh, the haha is a perfect venue to get in a fight. There was the old comic. haha. There was the, com- the old haha. The old haha. Okay, okay. This comic that was like a known bully, like a big comic, like done the Tonight Show fifteen times, like, and he was going around telling everyone they stole his jokes. Everybody, he would try to, and he was like a, a thug. He did jujitsu. He was like a whatever purple belt or something, and he was like a yeah. Mexican, like just a, a tough dude. And, Rogan uh, is not Mexican. Rogan is Italian and Irish. No, no, I said he's a, just a tough dude. I didn't say Rogan. Uh, so oh, it's not Joe Rogan. No, it's not Joe Rogan. Oh, you were no, descri- no. Oh, my bad. I my bad. You were describing him so well, though. I didn't fuck with this guy either. So he, he came, I love to him. I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, you took, you did my joke on last comic standing five years ago. I go, dude, I never even seen your act. I don't, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. He's like, yeah, fuck you, blah blah blah. I just ignored the guy. Right? Cut to like four months later. I'm doing. I do a show. It's like midnight, and I, uh, I get off stage, and I'm like, fuck, I gotta get something from my computer. I forgot a joke I wanted to do. So I go to my car, I get the computer, I come back, and I'm next to the, the owner of the haha, Terry. 
I walk back in and I'm like, Terry, I'm hosting. I'm like, who's on next? It's the midnight show. Fucking guy comes at me and just sucker punches me. I don't even see him. Like just, oh, yeah. just hits me like right in my mouth, like six stitches, boom, right? You, you shot a finger leg. I saw blood and I was like, oh. I'm gonna fucking kill you. I was having the worst week of my life. Like a family member was like on serious drugs. I did a college that, uh, uh, a, a Christian college that like didn't tell me I had to be clean and the, uh, the promoters stole my check. I was just having the fucking worst week. I was working at, for Ellis Mania at Fuel. So I watched 80 hours of fights and then I had to log it onto an avid computer. I had no what the idea what I was doing. I hired for the wrong job. Just having a fucking, so I turn around and I'm just like, motherfucker. I start fucking punt, throwing punches like a, like a fucking, like Vitor Belfort, like pop, 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 pop. And then like, I, I, I'm hitting him, I'm hitting fucking other people. Like, cause he's like running. And then he's like, he's drunk cause his hands are down. And then he's like, come on white boy. He's like, we'll dine in hell together. Which is like a line from like 300. <laughs> he says I stole his joke. <laughs> he, he stole fucking Gerard Butler's joke, right? So then I fucking, now Jack Jr.'s holding me back. This guy's holding me back. And I'm fucking throwing people out. I'm fucking like, I saw blood. I was fucking like, I'm going to kill this guy. I'm going to kill him, right? So then I somehow get away from people. And I had no hands, though, because I was being held back. So I threw a knee because I couldn't. At that point, I was not in good shape. I came through a teeth kick. And I missed him by this much. And then, uh, and then I was outside the haha, And I was going to, like, scale the fence and throw a fucking Superman punch. over, But the fence was too high. And I was worried that I would get stuck on top of the fence. And then I'd be there. <laughs> so then I, I had to go to the hospital, get fucking six stitches. So then that was, uh, that was that. And then somebody called me up. They're like, hey, you want to do a podcast with him? I'm like, yeah, well, if he does a podcast, you got to get Gerard Butler because he, he took his joke. And if, if he agrees to it, then I'll do that joke. So that was, uh, that, was that story. Fucking Man, the comedy fucking no. world. But the next day, I was worried that all these, like, because he was a big comic in the Mexican community. I'm like, fuck, all these comics are going to hate me now. So it was like Christmas time, quarter. I go to a Christmas party. Felipe Esparza is like, yo, he gives me a hug. And then Johnny Sanchez, like, on behalf of my people, thank you. Like, Gabriel Clayton, <laughs> who, like, never talked to me in his life. was like, high five. All these people are like, I, like, took down this bully who was just going around punching comics. And since nice. then, he hit, like, three more people. But the guy's like, <laughs> Yeah, the guy's a lunatic. The guy's a little, he's a little- Who the fuck is this guy? We're gonna keep dancing around who it is? No. Come I'm on, who is it? Nope. You don't even want to platform this guy. No, no. Who we got on the, who we got on the show, Marquez? We have, Ju yeah, Julia Marquez, by the way. Am I on? Yes. I've never You're been on already. Bro. I don't, live so my man, if you don't know if this you're guy. you're taking a shit right now, wipe and fucking get out of there. Oh, Mayhem, you're good, I'll give you a little okay, background good. of this guy right here. His, his nickname is the Cuban Missile Crisis, right? Love it. Nice. He was 8-1 nice. in the LFA. He knocked out somebody in like nine seconds. Like a, uh, so who was the last one before the uh, LFA? Fuck, I don't know. Matt Hamill? Uh, Matt Hamill, nine seconds, right? Then he gets picked to be Dano's White <laughs> Contender Series, right? They put him up against John Jones's training partner. He was like a 9-100 to dog. All they kept talking about was this guy, John Jones's partner. This is John Jones. John Jones, this is the greatest fight ever. He's getting his ass kicked in the first round. I'm not going to lie, right? Oh, yeah. Second round comes, hits the guy. He fucking hits him with that fucking 10-piece combo, knocks the guy out cold, fucking head kick, boom, right? Then the next fight comes on. Another fight where he's getting the shipping out of him. Fucking comes out, boom, knocking everyone out. Then he lost his last fight, but it was very close, right? So now he's in the UFC. He's kicking ass. Meanwhile, he works at Top Golf full time. 
as nice. a on like the golf thing. And he's just a, a badass dude. Uh, one of the best guys I know. He came to my show in uh, Kansas City with his grandma and his like 18 fucking Cuban family members. Like it, it was like, there was a raft parked outside. Okay, this guy is, is unbelievable guy. He did, he did left. So, Julian, how are you, man? Man, I'm golden, dude. Uh, I've, I swear I've never been on Zoom. So I uh, thank you for that hype. I don't even know what we're doing right now. Um, <laughs> Neither do we, bro. <laughs> I just saw like videos all over the internet of like people like in class on Zoom and some like funny ones where like a kid was actually like naked, didn't think his mic was on or his video cameras on. Yeah, so yeah, yeah I saw that. Or the girl taking a shit by accident like during her conference meeting. Yeah, um, yeah. I, this is perfect, man. I'm, I'm just didn't want to be that person. It's okay. How are you doing though, man? How's, how's, are you able to train? Cause like, you moved to Vegas, you, you were at Extreme Couture, you're, you're there now, you're kicking some ass, but what's going on with you right now during this whole, this whole quarantine? Dude, uh, so I've been doing uh, social distancing for the past, like, I don't know, two and a half years, three years, four years. So <laughs> like, Thanks. I mean, I'm not really, uh, my life hasn't really changed. I'm sitting here studying, reading, and I still work out. The only thing that changes the environment where I work out in, like, I meet up with a couple goons and we go out to the park and we roll. And I got my own little gym in my backyard, so we're my life's normal. How's yours? Uh, mine's all right. I got my. We don't. I don't have a nanny, so I'm watching my baby from 8 a.m. till 6. My wife works. Uh, she's working from home, and so I have like an hour and a half free to do the podcast, and then I host the trivia show from 6 to 8. But it's just been like, uh, I haven't, it's weird as a comic because I'm used to like leaving and being yeah. on my own and being free. And now, there, and now I have no outlets. I don't have working out isn't an outlet anymore. And comedy's not an outlet, which is like therapy. So you got to do that prison workout, man. You got to be lifting your couch, deadlifting it, squatting. Use your baby, bro. squat your baby. Bro, I told you, man. I, I hit the two five gallon drums, bro. I was doing squat, deadlift. I even did kettlebell swings with a damn five gallons of water and the neighbors like walk by and it looks like I'm trying to fuck this jug. You know, you gotta do what you gotta do. When you were doing the kettlebell hey, swing, did you have it turned upside down so the cap was- uh, Yeah, yeah, I was capping me, I was, I was capping myself right in the face like this. Ah. Uh, uh, going back and forth, oh, it's <laughs> a workout. All right, I'm just pushing the limits to see how weird you can get, Marquez. So, so Julian, <laughs> like, like, obviously, like, uh, you're an amazing fighter. You got solid power. It does look like you could drop a weight class, right? Well, you fight at, what, 85? Oh, I could drop it. I can go to 85. That's, that's the lowest weight class I can go. Okay, so how much weight do you cut to get to 205? A lot. Uh, to 205? Shit, fuck, like. 30 pounds. Really? Damn, bud. You're a big boy. You a thick yeah. packet of mustard, bro. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a big boy. I just put on a lot of weight and it just how, comes how, off. How, how tall are you? How tall are you? 6'2". Okay. Oh, okay. So you you're, you're got some frame. frame. Oh, what, what was your athletic experience before you started fighting? Uh, I don't know why they did that. Uh, I did uh, wrestling. So that was pretty much all I did wrestling. And I did like, I trained boxing when I was a kid and karate and shit, but wrestling yeah. was where it was. And then, uh, punching people well, look, in the face is where it ended. Look, you're not going to meet a bigger wrestling nerd than Adam. Okay. So like, tell us about like, you know, your career, like high school and you know, like tell us about that. 
I sucked. I was absolutely fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> that's a humble approach. That's no. honest. Yeah. That's honest. No. I'm not gonna sit there and be like, man, I'm always a savage dude. Dude, I, I, uh, I like wrestled, and I was in trouble more often than I was, uh, than I was able to wrestle. It's make that I got kicked out of like, I got kicked out of high school three times so I wasn't able to train my freshman sophomore junior year I was only able to train with the team I couldn't wrestle and perform so when I finally ended up uh, being able to wrestle my senior year I made it to state and choked I wrestled at heavyweight at 197 Ooh. and uh got into college wrestled at college wrestled 197 and then tore my knee out on my first wrestling match and then that's pretty much first match Oh my God! What a fucking bummer, bro. I'm sorry. What yeah, you but you know what? It's it's cool that you like you know transitioned over here to MMA. What were we gonna say, Adam? I was gonna say why you kicked out of high school. Oh man, I did a lot of things. Uh, so I was a terrible fuck before I uh, turned into fighting. Fighting actually saved my life. But uh, I like hacked the school computers. I uh, shot a kid with an airsoft gun in school. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Bro, are your, you me in another uh, timeline? Yeah, bro, pretty much. Listen, I, I did all the same shit, bro. Don't wait, what was the third, wait, what was the third thing? Uh, what? Uh, the third thing was um, just so I would prank my teachers a lot, and I kind of <laughs> don't say itching powder. Don't say itching powder. <laughs> no, no, I did. Okay, I, okay, sorry. <laughs> I, I was gonna be like, that's too weird. All right, go no, up. I would, uh, I would just do stupid shit. So, um. My Spanish teacher, I would always just fuck with her and like literally make her just. I I would make her literally scream and get irritated. Same thing as my math teacher. I made my math teacher cry one time, and it got to the point where um, they couldn't <laughs> give me ISS anymore and OSS. Uh, wait, 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 wait. What kind of shit were you saying to this nice Mexican Spanish teacher? That was making her go insane. And how did you make your math teacher cry? You're just still in okay. some detail. So, um, my math teacher, so somehow my math teacher so happened to be, uh, it so happened to be my principal's son. And this is, this is what's great. He was an assistant teacher. He was trying his hardest to get in and become a, uh, like an umpire for, you know, the MLB, like legit, he's been practicing and he sat there, he went out to, I want to say it was somewhere, um, I don't know if it was a Cardinals, Stop. I can't remember which school, yeah. but anyways, I know which school, he, he did it for Warrensburg, he did it for all these colleges, these big deals, so I ended up finding his number, getting his cell phone number, and in the middle of the class, he was just like, man, you know, I went out for this uh interview and i could possibly oh no i know where this is going nlb or uh mlb you know um i could do this i could change my life blah blah blah. so i get his phone number and in class i said i was like hello mr blah blah they're like hey we're calling you back from and i just pretended to be (laughs) the uh interviewer and acted like he got the job and he like ran outside the room and he could start hearing everyone laughing and he looked back in and just Went to his desk, went back to his desk, Got him. put everything down, and just said, pop. And, uh, <laughs> he started crying. Brutal. Yeah, Brutal. You just fucking ended this guy's career. Dude, uh, I, I would have given yeah. you an A for that. That's hilarious. That's like, yeah. come on. That's that's really smart of you. Yo, it's, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much, it was bad. Like, I'm, I'm not, 
proud of that moment. Shut up. Like your grandmother, your grandmother. You guys seem very close. She came to the show. Yeah, yeah. Didn't she talk any sense to you and tell you like, hey, come on, Julian. I didn't come to this country for you to prank the math teacher. 100%. 100%. She would uh, frown upon that one a lot. <laughs> a lot. Grandma <laughs> <laughs> doesn't say. know about that. Yeah. And, and then now recently someone gave you a bad tip on Top Golf and you called them out on Twitter. Oh man, I, I don't know. I call people out. Um, I've had a, a, this. Uh, my thing is, is that like service industry, you're paying for me to enjoy, or you're paying for me to like make you enjoy your experience leaving. So when you leave, my job is to. Well, when you leave your home and to eat at, at Top Golf, my job is to make sure you have entertainment. My job is to make sure you have fun. So my job is to fuck with you completely, 100%, as you're eating, when you're eating, everything. And uh, this, uh, a, a lady, I've had many like situations, and a lady, like the one that I think you're talking about, was a lady was like, um, you're 30 years old and you're a server. Yeah, like you're 30 years old and you're a server. You should get a real job. I was like, well, ma'am, you're uh, 40 years old and you're fat. You should lose some weight. And literally, I'd walk off. And uh, these are the type of reactions that I have to these people. But <laughs> when it comes to tips, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Um, oh, I love it. I personally, I love, I'm saying, how to stop golf? Not like. How did these people not come back to Top Golf and they're like, "Look, Julian, you can't come." Because it's almost like one of those incidences. It's one of those incidences that, like, I'm I'm a really fucking amazing server. I don't need to chew my own horn, but I'm fucking awesome. And when you have me, people come there and they'll leave like these awesome, like genuine, like car saying, "He was the funniest person I've been around. He's great." But the thing is, is that these people think I'm joking when I serve them. So, like, when I become an asshole or when I joke around with them or like. I literally call them out. They think I'm joking and they laugh and they keep doing that. And they, they enjoy the experience of being out because someone's like heckling them. You ever heard of the, um, the restaurant Dick's last resort? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I pretty much, that's how I treat people and they love it, especially at top golf. Now this, it's very, very select few, you know, like if it's just two people and you're, you know, I, I can tell like your vibe, I can see how it is going. I could go there. Or if you're just a complete dick, then I'll rock it out. But, like, if you're a family, I'm not going to go down that path. I'll be. Well, how do you feel about kung fu and Chinese food? Because I'm opening a new <laughs> restaurant. I think uh, maybe you, you'll fit the bill for a server at our place. No. It's, uh, called, it's called, and if there's a strip club component to it, too. It's called uh, Mayhem's Kung Fu House of Tits and Foodles. Oh, dude, I'll fuck with uh, it for sure. Yeah, okay, cool. All right, just make sure. your first dancer. What's the egg rolls cost? Man, like $9.95, but they're really small. But they're really small? It's not the size yeah, yeah. of the package. Chinese. They're Chinese. It's not the size of the package. I get it, you know? Exactly. What is it? Yeah. Not the size of the torpedo impact that counts. You got it. Oh, <laughs> this guy's from Cuba. This guy, Cuba's. Now, what's going on with you and TikTok? You're like, because yesterday you were roasting somebody on TikTok. Yeah, dude. So, uh, TikTok is like a fucking awesome platform to just blow up and it helps. I mean, I've gotten a lot of Instagram followers and then on top of it, hopefully sponsors are start going into there. There's a lot of uh, companies that have been using it to advertise because it's a, it's a big social platform. 
But uh, yeah, some some dude is like uh, made a call out, and he's like, "Oh, I bet you can't roast me." And I was like, "You're probably right, but I know a guy." And uh, he was kind of shocked. I posted that video, and he was very shocked. <laughs> I didn't hold back. I didn't. Hold oh, back. I did. I, I I said exactly what you said. I just. <laughs> He was like, oh. right. wait, where can we check that out? What, what's your TikTok name? Uh, my TikTok name is uh, J Marquez MMA185. Now, how are the women in Vegas right now for you? Because you're a fighter, you're in Vegas, there's probably hot chicks at Top Golf. Are you taking any advantage of this? Can I plead the fifth? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Nice. Okay. Yeah. That, that's his whole podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, when's your next? Do you have a fight scheduled? No, man, I just got cleared in, uh, in January. I got cleared January 15th to actually return back to the Octagon. And then uh, we were in talks of doing something and having a fight, but then all of this started happening and just more and more starting to unfold with this, with this pandemic. So I'm just trying to stay in shape, and hopefully I'll get one before, Jan or before uh, July, maybe after July, but I don't know, man. Who do, you, who, do you, who do you want to fight? Uh, there's this kid named Jun Young Park. Uh, he's a Korean kid. He's uh, really good. There's Brandon Allen. Um, but on all honesty, like, I just want to return back to the Octagon. It's been, you know, it would be two years in, uh, in July. And fuck, man. Yeah. Two years is a long-ass time, especially having to go deal with these people at Top Golf. Like, like the job, but hey, man, I'm really – like, I spent – I spent a good portion of my life training for this and I'm finally there and I have to put it on hold because of my arm, like, yeah, it's just not fun. It's not fun tasting, yeah. tasting success and then just getting it ripped for me. Now, as far as uh, you're at Extreme Couture? Uh, I train all over the 10th planet uh, in Las Vegas. I train at Syndicate. I train at Extreme Couture. I train at the UFCPI. I don't have one gym. I just train with the people because, in all honesty, Vegas is a, a really – it's really weird. Like everybody has their own little training sessions, even though they're part of teams, there's like different clicks. So I just go whenever the day's the best at that gym with the, the people around my weight. So. Greg, any, any questions for the great Julian Marquez? Uh, yeah. I mean, now when it comes to cocaine in Las Vegas, is it, is it cleaner in Vegas? Can you still do the coke? Cause I'm afraid of the Los Angeles cocaine. Uh, it's different, man. Uh, you know, again, like they said, I don't like cocaine. I just like the smell of it. But um, <laughs> it, it's you saw it's you saw it friendly for sure. I mean, that's right? Not. Three days. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, look at that womb broom you got going on right there, man. How's that feeling right there on that upper lip? This guy. The what? Both of you guys got the womb brooms going. I see there it. You go, man. That's pretty. That's a thick stash right there. Stash man, makes man. cash, baby. Can you stash twist it up? Can you twist man, the tips or not? Any Jason? Uh, well, look, how are you dealing with this layoff? Because I got to be honest, right now, you, you look homeless and, uh, you know, unkempt. You look like a caveman. <laughs> just a Cuban caveman. I'll just be honest with you. How are you, like, keeping in shape? Like, especially coming back from an arm injury. Like, how are you, like, processing? Because... He asked you all about top golf and whatnot, but the reality is, is that at some point you're gonna be back in the cage, right? So, you know, what what have you been doing to stay? Like, have you been training during the quarantine? Is is that is that okay? Is that what's going down? 
Yeah, fuck yeah, I've been training. Like I said, I got my own. I've been on uh, offer up, getting a bunch of different weights. I got a bunch of kettlebells. I got a row machine, a bunch of endurance things for just at home. I've been putting on a lot of miles, uh, just road work and running. And I'll meet up with filthy Tom Waller and Corey Hendricks. And we'll nice. meet up at the park and we'll drill like Dutch style drills with striking. And on top of it, we'll do jujitsu in the grass in the park because we don't give a fuck. We're yeah. trying to get we're trying to get our uh, workout in as we can. So um, the difference between me and majority of the population is that when we're done with this quarantine, I'm going to be ready and they're going to be, you know, 60, 30, uh, 80 days behind or whatever number we figure out when we're done with this quarantine. Nice. Any questions for the great Julie Marquez? Okay. Right. Right. Tyler, Way to go. <laughs> Fucking nailed it, bro. Just holding no, up your end of the podcast. What are all the strippers and hookers in Vegas doing during this time? They, they're like comedians. They don't have a stage. You know, we're online going telling our jokes online and shit like that. What the fuck are they doing? Are they just walking down the streets in their tiny little outfits and with nowhere to go? Or what are they? I mean, they made a thing called Offer Up. And not Offer Up, it's uh, fans only. They're all on yeah. fans only. I, oh, feel right. oh, I thought you were like, they're offering up that pussy. My yeah, bad. That's what that's I was true. thinking too. I was like, I, I, right. I saw they were uh, they were driving them around. They had like one of the one of the ad trucks with a clear cutout window and they're on the pole driving down the strip. Dope. Waving like the Santa Claus in the mall. Yeah. Exactly. This is the future. I love it. It is. I want to go. Nah, back. These girls are making those little websites and uh, getting you to join their little parties. I've gotten so many invites to these. Hey, bro, let yeah. me tell you, for for $40, I'll text you with the girlfriend experience. Dude, I, I, yeah. I see guys do it. I see, <laughs> I see male fighters with fucking – I saw a male fighter uh, with a, a, a towel on his cock going swipe up for my OnlyFans. Yo, I'm man, like, Paige Van Zandt and her man are, like, doing fucking, like, weird food porn on Instagram. Like – wine glass like i think he had his dick in the wine glass like those bears they're wilding out over there yeah. i was like god damn it's too early in the morning to be looking at this pornography ah <laughs> uh, well let me just uh well, it's here. It. oh yeah why, why listen i'll show my butt off for 40 bucks i didn't even realize oh my god i will out. pay you 45 bucks to keep that butthole contained but you'll show people your butthole 40 bucks <laughs> Greg? is this fuck it you know what fuck it what's That's your venmo all. what's your venmo let's see this thing Let's see this chili ring. Come on. Yeah, let's get demonetized. <laughs> All right, let's, all right, let's <laughs> Thanks, Marquez. No, no, no. He'll do it, please, too. Please, God, no. Oh, no. I don't want to see please, Greg no, no, I'm not doing no, it. I'm not no. doing it. We'll just edit it to make it look like he did. No. <laughs> all you got to do, you got to do what I do on Instagram. I uh, take photos, and then I blur out my, like, my crotch area to make it look oh. like I'm naked. So everyone, even MMA, uh, MMA junkie shared my post to say like top five fighters you uh, want to be with during the apocalypse, and they had Dang. me there with all my naked photos. I think you should just you yeah, should just cover it up with a tootsie roll. No, uh, yeah, it's too big. <laughs> too big. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> no, he's super funny, and you, your fashion sense is ridiculous. You'll wear these like tight shirts, these tight like. At the fight, you were wearing. You look like I, don't, I can't even describe what you were wearing at the last fight. I'm imagining know. like, remember so the good. mask? Remember that movie, The Mask? And remember when he like turns into Cuban Pete? I'm imagining yeah, yeah. that shirt, the floral. Oh, My yeah. name is Cuban Pete. I'm the king of the rumba. Beat. Yes, and then <laughs> he, he, like, he wears like tucked yeah. in with like 
with like lime green pants that are super tight. Nice. It's, nice. Like you don't think you you don't think it's guy bad. that can murder you when you see you. But yeah, I I just like to be colorful. You know what I mean? I think yeah, I'm yeah. gonna have to dress up for the next. Uh, Las Vegas event as Cuban beat the mask edition. Yeah. They could do a lot for your brand. You're already the Cuban guy. And if uh, we fucking connect those two, man, it's like a cultural type thing where everybody gets on the same page. Maybe you should look into it. How did you uh, end up in Kansas city, by the way? Uh, my grandfather, uh, migrated over here in a way, shape and form and then worked for Ford and Ford shipped uh, him off to the middle of the map. Uh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There's really no other cool way to say, hey, I moved to Kansas City because there's so much fucking amazingness there. Yeah. No, like, yeah, there's nothing cool there. I don't know. Kansas City's amazing. That much. My cousins are there. It's not it's not the worst place, but it's definitely not somewhere I would choose. <laughs> it's, it's you bite your tongue. Legit. You bite your tongue, you damn immigrant talking about America's heartland, Kansas City. Is the best place in Missouri. I think your medication just ran off. My bad. I know. I know. So fucking. I think the cost. Some people think it's in Kansas. The medication. Kansas City is that part of America. I'll wrap it out all day though. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. But you're American, right? You're a Cuban American. Am I right? Oh, I'm okay. Cuban American. I'm more American than I'm Cuban. Yeah. But you I, feel uh, so American. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And you I are. Up, you are. Yeah. I grew up. My grandparents raised me and my brother. So that's how we know Spanish. And then as we got older, I grew up in fucking Kearney, Missouri, Holt, Missouri. Population in my fucking hometown was 309. And when my little brother was born, I saw them change the sign from 39 to 310. Like, what the fuck? Wow. Bro, you just blew blew my mind because Kearney is where my family is. They got a farm and all that, bro. Which Kearney? Kearney, Nebraska or Kearney? Uh, Missouri. No, his family, his Missouri. Family, oh, his family is Carney. No, they're Carney. They're, they're Carneys in Missouri. Yeah, they're Carney. <laughs> Easy oh, joke. Small hands. But it's spelled. It's spelled Kearney, but it's pronounced Carney. Okay, like God. You got Wait, your family is in Missouri in Carney, Missouri. Fuck yeah, they got a chicken coop, bro. One time I fucking played airsoft with like, I mean, literally, I was driving a getaway car while I shot my cousins with a uh, AR-15 airsoft gun that i bought at walmart that's you know, how carny it was you know how fucking hilarious it is we had a house that was abandoned on my friend's property they used to live in they built their house so it was abandoned and we do the same shit we had cops and robbers two people in the house and there'd be 15 people with like assault rifles nice uh just glocks that are all uh assault, or uh, whatever airsoft and we would literally bro, go inside and try bro. to break them out how about fireworks out there, bro? I bought $500 worth of fireworks and almost blew my fucking self up, bro. Like, yeah, I have a you friend. can do it. I have a friend. Wait, wait was this yesterday? Yeah. We just became best friends. That's it. <laughs> For sure, bro. We're bros. I thought I liked you. I thought I liked you, but now I really like you. Dude, we're locked in. Dude, uh, I killed my grandma. Me too. Holy shit. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Don't even joke about grandma. <laughs> this is what happens. Uh, this is what happens when you live in Cardi, man. There ain't shit to do. Yeah. So you find entertainment, and that's why you get in trouble. That's right. pretty much it. Yeah. If none of you guys have been there, I mean, obviously. I'm going to take Adam. I think I'm going to take Adam to, to, to the country. These, these other guys, I don't trust them. 
Listen, right, I grew I up in small town Texas. I grew up in a little town called Greenville, Texas. And, no, uh, I don't want you know. fucking my cousins, bro. You're like, I know, I know where that, that dirty, you little porn, you little porn star. Yeah, you exactly. got little Ron Jeremy, I can see it. He is, he is, bro. Oh, this know, guy baby. is, bro, he's slanging dick, bro. You got to be I careful. I can see he was about to slang me his asshole for 40 bucks. I know, 40. I know. So, yeah, <laughs> hey, listen, that's right. I'm not selling it for five. Canadian, too. <laughs> you know, 40 bucks, you want to spend That's that premium swipe up. Oh, my. Yeah, I'll give you 0.5 Bitcoin. Well, listen, I got to get back to famous dick. You guys have been oh. awesome. Julian, stay safe. Can't wait to All watch right, your next fight, man. Mayhem, yep. the best. Great. Don't get sick. Good to see you, brother. Good to I see you, too. Guys. Good to see you guys. Tyler. Great Thank show. You, MMA roasted. Goodbye. I am a terrible interviewer. And have Take no care. Questions. All right. Later, boys. <laughs> see you, brother. Trap songs and trap dance. Trap Tune is on the hook to the door. Tyler Stolt and Dorpo the Moro. Yeah. 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 Yeah.